Did you know that when you sign your marriage certificate, you're not signing a contract? In a biblical marriage or a blueprint marriage, when we join together, we are entering into a covenant with our spouse. A covenant marriage is God's design for us, and we are going to dig into Scripture together and learn how we can move from being under contract in our marriages to living in a God-glorifying covenant. Welcome to this edition of the Awaken to Grace podcast. Today, we're continuing our conversation around marriage and how to do marriage God's way. If you missed the first episode called Align to the Design, make sure you go back and listen to the episodes that you have missed so far. Today, we want to talk about how marriage is not a contract. It is a covenant. In our Western culture, in our way of thinking today, we make contracts. And so many couples have the wrong view. They have the wrong perception. Rather than having God's perception, rather than seeing marriage God's way, because after all, he's the one who created it. He's the one who made it what it is. He did the first marriage of human history It was all his design. It was all his planning. And rather than viewing marriage from his viewpoint, biblically, well, as we talked in the first episode, we've got this brochure of the world, and the world's brochure tells us marriage is a contract. Sadie, what, in your view, what's the difference between marriage being a covenant and marriage being simply a contract. Gosh, I love this. Um, I love this description of contract versus covenant because it just clicked with me. Um, we have a rental house, and um, so we are used to getting tenants and getting leases together. And um, part of that contract is if you do this, I will do that. If you pay rent, I will continue to improve the house. So it's just like this leverage. Like if you hold up your end of the bargain, I will hold up my end of the bargain. And that is not the way that God designed marriage. It's a covenant that's no strings attached. So no matter how crappy you're being, I'm going to continue being who God called me to be. And that's the covenant part. So there's no stipulations There's no conditions. When the Bible speaks of what, in the original language of the Bible, it calls agape love. Agape love is the most divine, God-centered love that there is. In the Greek language, it's selfless. Selfless, exactly. (laughs) In the Greek language, there are five types of love. There's love, you know, sensual love between a husband and a wife. There's brotherly affection, which is Philadelphia. There's five different kinds of love. But But the way that God loves us, now think about this. The way that God loves us is with what's called agape love. It's no conditions. It's no stipulations. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ agape, Christ loved us and died for us. Not when we met our end of the bargain, 
Not when we cleaned our own lives up. Not when we got ourselves together did Christ love us. No, while we were yet sinners, Christ loved us and he died for us. And God commands us within our marriages to love one another that way. Ephesians chapter 5, husbands are to love their wives. That is agape love. That is a sacrificial, intentional It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you violate. It doesn't matter the balls that you drop. It doesn't matter the way you treat me. I am to love you as Christ loves me. You talking about harder to do than say? But that is a great key to a great marriage, agape love. You cannot view your marriage like a contract. You have to view it like a covenant between you and your spouse, and God Almighty. So one of the keys to making a great marriage is um, you cannot put your spouse as your number one. There's danger in that. I know that Chad and I did a marriage counseling session with a couple, and um, the husband said, if I lose my wife, I lose my faith. And I said, buddy, you got an idol. You don't got a wife. And, and that's exactly what he did. He put his wife above Christ, and um, he made her an idol. And there's danger in that. You have to put Christ as your number one. Yeah, there's incredible danger in this. And uh, I think uh, Pastor Mark Driscoll says it better than anyone I've ever heard say it. He says, you, when you have an idol in your life, whatever that is, and that can be a spouse, make no mistake about it. It can be your children, it can be spouse, it can be a job, it can be your health, whatever. Well, this is what he says. We demonize what we idolize. Now think about that. Mm-hmm. We demonize what we idolize. Why? Because the order is out of sync. We are to place God as number one. When God is not the, the, the center, when God is not number one in our marriage, whatever is number one, it's never going to function right. It's never going to be right. It's not going to feel right because it's out of order. It's out of sync. So I think what it means when we put our spouse as an idol, this is what I think it looks like practically. I think it means that we look to them for our happiness. We expect our husband or our wife to bring happiness into our lives. And again, that's out of order. You know, one of the greatest influences to me is John Maxwell. I've always loved his ministry and career. And John Maxwell shared a story that earlier on in his marriage, he's married to Margaret, they were doing a conference together and she was doing a Q&A panel. And one of the people asked Margaret, is John make you happy as a husband? Does he make you happy? They'd been married a few years. And John said he leaned in because he couldn't wait to hear what his wife had to say. (laughs) To his horror, (laughs) Margaret said, no, John does not make me happy. Well, he was mortified. You can imagine this room full of people. And she clarified and she said, I learned early in our marriage, John does not have the ability to make me happy. My joy and my happiness can only come from Christ. Oh, what a principle. And when we get this right in our life, think how much pressure that takes off 
of our spouse. Our spouse is not designed by the Creator. We are not designed to fulfill entirely one another. That fulfillment has to come from Christ. And if your husband is number one, if your wife is number one, my precious friends, you're out of order. You're off of the blueprint. You're out of alignment. Make Christ the number one. And then what happens when we make God number one and we make our spouse number two? Well, do you know what happens in our marriages? Think about what a great principle this is. True oneness comes into our marriage. What did we say in the last episode? Marriage mirrors God. The unity that's found in the Trinity in heaven is the unity that should be found between God, wife, and husband on the earth. And so when God is center, God is number one, our spouse becomes our number two, then God, when the, when the number two makes God the number one, then God brings oneness to our two-ness, and God makes us one as only God can do in marriage. That sounded like a whole lot of math. <sighs> <laughs> now, when you put your spouse first, you're you're setting them up for failure because they they they're flawed. My yes. husband was designed with a furrowed brow, <laughs> <laughs> and if I'm looking to him for joy on oh. the days that his brow is furrowed, Ugh. I would be so disappointed. Yes. But he's allowed to have bad days. He's mm -hmm. allowed to be grumpy sometimes. Most but, of the time. <laughs> but the Lord is not. <laughs> <laughs> and and the Lord was not going to fail me. He's not going to let me down. He, yes. is, he is going to continue to be who he is. And um, so when I say Chad's allowed to have a, a grumpy day, I, I think that relieves pressure and it and yes. it takes tension off and absolutely and it <laughs> deflects some potential arguments because we absolutely are imperfect john bunyan who wrote pilgrim's progress in the 1600s john bunyan said there is enough sin in my greatest prayer to damn the world mm. we're flawed we're sinful we're full of pride and arrogance and self-centeredness. And that's why there isn't a one of us that deserves or even has the ability to be our number one. Only God. That is God's rightful place in our marriages as the number one. And when the number twos begin to seek the number one together, God makes us one. Mm-hmm. So what are some practical ways that we as number twos can put God as our number one together? Well, I, I think one of them, and, and this is one thing that, um, that I really commend Sadie on, is ensuring that you, that you <laughs> are growing spiritually. You know, I think if Sadie waited for me to lead our family in a Bible study or, you know, only grew out of the sermons that she heard me preach one time a week or whatever, she wouldn't be near as strong as she is right now. Uh, what I see Sadie do, <laughs> no pun intended because I'm blind, what I, what I hear <laughs> Sadie do uh, pretty well on a daily basis 
if she's growing spiritually, I hear her listening to podcasts. I hear her listening to apps. I hear her listening to sermons and books on a daily basis. I hear her listening to the Word of God on a daily basis, that she is growing and not dependent on the way I grow or dependent on if I'm, you know, if I'm uh, leading in that way. And that looks different for everybody. I mean, so Chad's blind and he can't necessarily like we couldn't sit down and read a book together. But that that looks different. We've went through sermon series together and he'll listen to a sermon and I'll listen to it at a different time. And then we'll get in the car on our morning commute and we'll talk about it. So that looks different for every couple, the way that you the way that you grow together. Um, And I'll find something and I'll be like, oh, I think that Chad needs to hear this. Um, I think that he'll really love this. I, I can send it to him and, and he can listen to it later. And um, you just you grow differently than other people. But I, but I think that there is a personal rhythm that you need to find where you are growing. And that way, you know, Sadie and I are not always on the same page in what we're growing in. I may be studying ferociously toward a sermon series and it may not be at all what she needs in her personal growth. Well, if she was only following what I'm studying, then she wouldn't develop the way that she... You see what I'm saying? You have to find what speaks to you. There are certain authors who speak to me that don't speak to Sadie. So you have to find those voices, those trusted spiritual voices that that speak to you. You know, Sadie and I, uh, I don't think a lot of people realize how different we really are. We're very different, aren't we, Literally, Sadie? the only thing we have in common is Christ. Even our, even our preferred translation of the Bible is entirely different. <laughs> he is ESV, and I am Holman Christian so, Standard. So, uh, again, you know, don't think that we have this, like... You know, this little Christian family that we just wake up in the morning and start listening to scriptures together and we just do that all day long. I mean, even our preferences are completely different. Right. And so and so I think that's really important. Like she said, a lot of things we do together, uh, a lot of things, you know, we do read together. I have to have her to help me study for sermons. And I love that. She reads commentaries to me. And, you know, we have those things that are really good. But by and large, the lion's share, she is pursuing what she is growing spiritually. And I'm pursuing where I am and what I need spiritually. So find find those things for yourself. I think that's really key to even growing together. And I mean, another area that we're different um not intentionally different is, is tithing. Um, because he can't see, I am over our finances. I am in charge of paying all of our bills and, and I am very easily distracted. So there are many weeks that I do forget to pay our tithe and it'll come up on a Tuesday or Wednesday and he'll say, did you pay the tithe? So an important, an important key here is tithing together and and putting God in in charge of your finances and priority in your finances. Yes, if you're off a of sync that then you're you're going to have a hard time growing spiritually together. And, and let me just say this, let me say this. If you particularly if you are a wife and your husband is not a believer and if your husband forbids you from tithing, I don't believe biblically you are to tithe. I think you are to honor your husband. And especially if he is an unbeliever, 
You're not to go behind his back. You're not to deceitfully give, even if your heart is to give. The Lord knows that. The Lord's going to honor that. But don't be deceptive in any way like that. Uh, If you are both believers and you both agree that you are to tithe, that's a major, major area to be on the same page on. Last year, we, Sadie and I felt like the Lord spoke to us to go above and beyond what we were tithing. And I'll just tell you, we were in full agreement. We would decide. We would feel like God would lead us. Maybe she felt one way. Maybe I felt something. And we would bring it to the table and say, I feel like God wants us to give X amount of money to this ministry. Or I feel like God wants us to give this to this widow. Or I feel like God wants us to give this to this pastor and his wife. And every single time we would bring that concern to each other and say, this is what I feel the Lord saying. We would be in full agreement. We would do what we felt the Lord would want us to do. And I tell you, last year, the Lord blessed us in just ways that, honestly, we can't even calculate. Mm -hmm. That's part of being on the same page spiritually. Your giving, your tithing, your offerings, that is a massive part of growing together. That's a massive part of seeking God together. So make sure that you're talking about that with your spouse and make sure that you're in alignment in those areas. Yeah, another way is um, praying together. I know that that was one of our sessions at the marriage conference, and um, it was not a whole lot of teaching, actually no teaching. Um, I just encouraged couples to sit together and... um, if you don't know what is weighing your spouse down, you don't know how to pray for your spouse. So you um, you let this open, transparent, vulnerable conversation happen. And um, we're going to get into a podcast later about intimacy, but praying together, that is intimate with the Lord, and that increases intimacy together too. So another way to put Christ number one is, is openly praying together, praying over one another. And... Um, it it gets weird and it feels weird, but it is so important to do together. Uh, so I had a couple come to me after the conference was over and they had, they were celebrating their 20 year wedding anniversary this year. And they came to our marriage conference and she told me that of all sessions, the one you did Sadie on prayer was her absolute favorite hurt my feelings a little bit after all the hours <laughs> I invested in the teaching, you know, whatever, but that that's fine. <laughs> but she said, this was amazing. She said in 20 years, she's never heard her husband pray out loud for her. She said, I know my husband prays for me. I know that. But she said, I never heard it out loud. And she said, I sat and cried and cried and cried because it moved her heart so much. And Isn't it, that an amazing thing? And it aligns you guys together. So Chad may not know what's important in my life right now. He may not know what's really weighing on my heart and what baggage I'm carrying around currently. Right now it's schooling for our kids. But if we have conversations about that, he knows how to pray for me and he knows how to pray for our family. And let me tell you what Satan doesn't want more than anything. This is what he doesn't want. He doesn't want you praying together. And do you know why Satan doesn't want you praying together? It's hard to say stupid during a prayer. (laughs) It is hard (laughs) to have a knockdown, drag out fight 
knowing you have to pray for that person before you go to bed that night. (laughs) It's hard to name call somebody you're praying for. It's hard to be rude, irritable, unkind, impatient with somebody that you are going to take their hand and you're going to talk with about God. That's why Satan hates it. Yeah, and one of the things that I encouraged the the couples at the retreat to do um, was hold hands, pray over one another, yeah, pray blessings over one another. Well, think about this. If Scripture teaches us to touch and agree with fellow believers, how much more powerful is Mm, that within the covenant, within the union of marriage? Yeah. It's good stuff. So we've got all these great principles today, guys. Thank you so much uh, for walking us through this. So let's... Talk about a starting point. So maybe in your marriage, um, so much has happened. We've we've gone through all these great principles, but you're still to a place where you're like, I don't even know where to start. Well, I want to direct you in a very, very easy and simple way. So just go to your phone on your device and download the Bible app from Life Church. There's literally hundreds of devotions that you and your spouse can start together. You can track it together. You can go through it together. And then it, it leads you in how you can pray for each other. It leads you in what, what did you get out of this study. So that's one way that if you're if you're in that position saying I I love all this I want to do all this but I don't know where to start let me just lead you in the most practical way start right there and then download the absolute greatest app that's Shameless out plug. there awakened to grace <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding sort of in a way but download it today so if you've been with us on this journey um, this is episode three in our marriage podcast series next episode we're going to be talking about are you a selfish spouse or are you a servant spouse 